last week. <laughs> five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, five minutes ago. I had alluded to, you know, we should talk about the habits that allow us to get to advanced levels of stuff, yeah. right? And especially in the context of music. I, I think this we can extrapolate that out to any um, discipline, but specifically in music. So I'll just start out by asking you a question. Um, what daily habits or weekly, you know, it doesn't have to be so you know, structured like that. Do you have that allow you to feel, not only feel like, but actually be progressing in your craft? Yeah, so I would say constantly learning. Uh, you know, I think people think about learning in a weird way where like if you go and you take a mixing course or you buy a mixing book, you might read it with the expectation of I need to absorb everything in this book, before, everything in this course before. Or I'm going to watch this mixing tutorial and I need to learn it and know it before I watch the next mix. I actually don't do that. And I, I, there may be some validity to that approach, but the way that I learn new content is by immersing myself in it and the fundamentals repeat themselves. So what I'll do is I'll put, I'll find like a channel that I really like. Uh, and I found a couple of them in the last couple of weeks where I open up their uploads and you there's a play all button on YouTube for people's uploads. <laughs> so it plays their whole channel and I just let it go. And I'll just let it go on my phone while I'm doing dishes, while I'm doing other stuff, while I'm, you know, whatever I'm doing when I'm not sitting in here mixing. And just having that going, you know, even if I'm not paying attention the whole time, there's interesting stuff. I, but what happens is the things that I take away, the things that I notice are the things that get repeated hmm. over and over. So if somebody's saying, um, get it right at the source, that's a specific person. Uh, Joe Gilder. I, I've been obsessed with them. <laughs> um, get it right at the source. Get it right at the source. And I keep hearing get it right at the source. I don't have to worry about like making sure I was paying attention on the one video where he said that because he says it so much that I keep hearing it and now I know it. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. So next time I'm going to go record something, I'm going to remember right at the source. I'm going to make sure that you know, next time I'm recording acoustic guitar, I'm going to record it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to go check the recording before I go and try to play all the parts and make sure that I'm getting the actual recording part right. That way I don't have to fix a bunch of stuff with EQ later or deal with a bad recording that's unfixable and redo everything. Um, so anyway, habits. Learning constantly. And I'm trying to incorporate and absorb. I do have to dial that back sometimes, but I'm, I'm pretty good about absorbing information. I think that's just mm -hmm. great in life. The other main thing that I would say for making sure I'm progressing is always working on things and not trying to perfect things. So I think about something like dialing in compression on a, a drum bus. So that's something new to me where I'm not, I'm not, so it's top down versus bottom up mixing where mm -hmm. I'm not going to every individual drum and going, okay, drum system. Now I'm going to unmute the bass. And I'm going to that. Now I'm going to balance that with sort of the ride 
and then I'm going to put it together and hope they, they kind of fit. Now I'm, I'm like, all right, I've got the basic static mix of the drum kit. Oh, let me go to the drum bus. They can EQ and a compressor on there, maybe flip the order and dial in the whole drum bus together. That's totally new to me. And what I need to do is practice it. So it's, what's not helpful is for me to spend five hours doing that on one track, one set of drums that were recorded one way. Mm. And, and then like dial it into where it's steen and perfect and it's exactly the settings. Because what's going to happen there is my ears are going to get tired. My perception of the song is going to get funky. I'm going to get, I'm going to get fatigued in general on the content. And even if I dial in what I think are the perfect compressor settings, I'm going to come back tomorrow and hear it and go, wait, what? Mm -hmm. How did I get that? So the way to practice that for me is to do my best in the same amount of time that I normally allot to mixing the drums song Mm -hmm. and move on to the next song and just have a bunch of songs where I can practice dialing it in in that 15 half 15 minute half hour window every single time so you know because it's going to be different for every recording as well and i guess the way that the way to express that in short would be volume over quality when yeah that's interesting It, it sounds to me like you're saying basically first of all you try to just immerse yourself in the language, right, yep. of the, the what is happening, right? Yep. So just accumulate, just listen, and you're, like, able to point out those repeating, you know, repeating motifs, yeah. <laughs> you know? Pattern detection. Exactly. Yep. And, and just, like you said, volume, which is interesting to me because I feel like at least in my major in college, I mean, maybe... Maybe I'm perceiving it wrong, but it wasn't about volume. It was more the other way. It was like, let's focus on a couple pieces and let's get them to the pinnacle of what you can do right now. And I always felt in school like they didn't give us enough just volume. I felt like, I feel like I should have a bigger portfolio Mm -hmm. at the end of all this work. And each step took so long because I wasn't a master of it. And... I think I learn kind of similar to you. I need to do stuff in a repeated way and really focus on that yeah. and, and just do it again and again in different situations because then um, it's like learning a language but only learning sentence one way. Yeah. Not using a word in different sentences. I use the word eat in the, in the sentence. I like to eat food, but you don't use it in any other context. You're not going to have a full understanding yeah. of the word. And it's the same thing with this, with, with learning a musical skill. Maybe you learn, know it in this context, but do you know how to use it in any situation? Do you truly understand what it is you're doing? Yeah. And I think I, I learned in a similar way where I try to... I try to absorb everything I can into my intuitions so where I understand it at a level where it's innate in the same way that we've all learned to listen to music over our entire lives. Just from when we first hear music, it's totally foreign and it just start becomes more and more familiar. We recognize the patterns. We start to know what patterns we like. We start to know what patterns we don't like and even people who are not musicians have that built into them. They understand music at a certain level. Yeah. 
but this is about understanding a different aspect of it. So for me, for I think the best example that I've focused on over the past year is orchestration. I just have orchestration videos, the Thomas Goss videos, orchestration online, just playing when I uh, go on walks yep. and anything that's relevant, I just save that to watch again later. Yep. And I was going to ask, do you, yeah. do you ever watch the same twice? Absolutely. Yeah. And as I mentioned in our first episode, I need to have it kind of a small group of things. So that first just mass listening is really a filtration system for what I want to keep and what, what I think is relevant or not relevant. Yeah. Um, maybe sometime in the future, I mean, I shouldn't say maybe at some point in the future, I'll have a different filter for what I need to know. But trying to keep it as simple as possible and just internalize all of these, all of the uh, techniques. Um, and then you also hit on practicing it. So I'll, I'll hit on that for myself. Yeah, I, I guess it is volume. Uh, and for me, a mixture of spending too much time on something to figure it out mm -hmm. and becoming efficient with it. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a... I tend to gravitate towards the perfectionistic taking too much time. Yep. So anything with a deadline is much better for my practice. Yep. And honestly, it's better for my enjoyment and love of the, the craft too. Because even though a deadline might sometimes be stressful, it's nice to accumulate a bigger volume of work. And when, for me, for, for composing, not everything I write is going to be good. So the more I write, the more chances of something I write that's good. I mean, it's kind of the example of, of Mozart. Obviously, he was a master at what he did, but not everything he wrote is like a hit, a classic. Mm -hmm. yeah. He wrote a ridiculous amount of music. So naturally, if you're a great composer and you write a massive amount of music, there's going to be some standouts there. And that's I, I try to do that too. And not it's, and also just accept when something is not turning out yeah. the way I want it to. And not getting caught on hurdles. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I guess that's not a habit. But it's, it's the, you know, not getting stuck in places. Yep. Yeah. Do you have any habits that somebody could go, oh, okay, I'm going to go implement that tonight. What, what can I go do right now that Alex does or Chase does that, you know, I, I haven't been doing, but is probably going to make me a better I have one in mind. Yeah, you start with yours, yeah. Okay, so for me, keeping things extremely organized. I see a lot of people's desktops, or I used to <laughs> pre-quarantine, uh, I see a lot of people's desktops where you, know, you don't have anything open, it's sort of blank slate time on your computer, and it's just a massive mess of all the things that you ever downloaded and wrote and put together, and it's like, to me that amount of chaos and I guess maybe some people can work that way but me it's worth cleaning up a lot of that chaos so that when you open your computer to do a specific task nothing has the opportunity to take your attention away from the task at hand. don't see 
oh, that's right. That's my tax form from four years ago. What are my taxes going to look like this year? Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that's just, that's an opportunity that, that your attention should not have when it's work time. Yeah. You know, when you go, when you, let's say you get something from a client, right? They send you the Dropbox link and you click download and downloads folder. Your downloads folder has a thousand things. Right. First of all, you got to sort by date to find the, the thing you just downloaded. But then you've got, you know, like from three weeks ago, your uh, whatever survey from <laughs> something that happened. And you're like, oh, yeah, filled that out. Let me just open that up real quick and fill it out. And then all of a sudden it's half an hour later and you haven't worked on the client's music yet. So, like, you got to get to it. Again, those are opportunities that your attention should not have you go to work. And for me, it's been so worth it to just dial in the organization of my workflow to the point where there is nothing that is going to pull me away. You can even look at my desk. There's nothing on my desk right now. There are a couple. There's my Kindle. (laughs) That's a book. There's nothing on my desk right now that's going to take my attention away from working. There's no junk. There's no other stuff. There's no notebooks. Like, I have notebooks handy for doing music stuff. My music notebook is tucked underneath the desk. Yeah. There's nothing there that is going to take me away from, hey, I'm going to sit down here and work on the next holster track. Nothing else has the opportunity to enter unless it comes from inside my mind. Mm. And I think that is so worth setting up for yourself. Because, I I mean, I remember the days when I I had in my bookmarks bar in Chrome, Facebook. And I had this crazy habit of like, that I think, I think a majority of people have where you open up your browser to do something else and you just automatically hit the Facebook button and then start scrolling. And you're like, wait, how did I get here? How how did this happen? (laughs) It's an hour later and I still haven't done anything and now I'm hungry. Yeah. Um, And I remember getting rid of that and just like waking up and all of a sudden being so much more productive. Yeah. But like, you can multiply that by, by 10 by doing that everywhere. Everything that could take your attention away. Mm. Get rid of it. Put it somewhere else. Here's one thing that I think is kind of related. Uh, just a, a, a tip for myself that I found. My eyes are drawn, drawn towards whatever the brightest source of light is mm. around me. Just naturally. I'll notice that they're drifting off towards something and I just they go towards it. So I try to have nothing other than my screen right in front of me and actually since i moved to a single monitor setup i've been more efficient and less Mm. distracted because i always have just the full window and i you know swipe back and forth with the gestures so so i just go back and forth okay midi editing tracks mixer tracks you know and and then chrome i have to swipe over a few but just having that single focus I don't have a window behind my computer. It's just that, especially when I work at night, it just, I don't see anything in my peripheral vision other than my screen. And that's so helpful for me. I just, I don't, nothing else is there to visually distract me because I think I'm a visually distracted person, not necessarily an audio or aurally distracted person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a good, good tip though. Just organization. It's, and also just, not only distracting, but just not taking the time to have to set everything up or yeah. search for stuff. Like I just moved and so much of my time is spent, oh, where are the forks? 
Where's uh, where is that pot? I don't know. Yeah. Just so cooking dinner becomes this cognitively diff difficult task yeah. where like this is, I don't want to spend my mental resources on figuring out where everything is and figuring out how I'm going to cook something. And, you know, the same applies for, for writing music. Oh, what's that um, plug-in I was looking for? Where is that? What folder is that in? Um, let's was see. it in your template? Exactly. Yeah. Um, as, far, as far as habits for me, I would say, the, the, while you were talking, the, the one that popped into my head a few times was put pressure on yourself consistently. Have some sort of deadline, some sort of thing that forces you yeah. to be efficient. Yeah. Um, because it's so easy to get caught up, especially the idea of deadlines is really important. I think this is one of the reasons that people who are... Be have the kind of compounding success, right? When you have more deadlines, like let's say you have a, you're getting gigs, you start to get more efficient, you're working more efficiently, you're producing more, you're learning more, you're practicing more, whereas the person who's not getting gigs is uh, taking too long, just kind of like what I do, just listen back to what I wrote, think about what I could do next, be, not, be a little too choosy. Yeah. Whereas a person who's got deadlines, like, I'm just going to do it that way, and they adapt. Yeah. And then they get more work, and they become more efficient. Yeah. And so somebody, you know, me maybe a, a year ago, thinking about how do, how do, like, industry professionals write, like, two minutes of music a day? That seems like such a high standard to me to finish music. But when I find a way to put pressure on myself, like I did this documentary... I had five days to do all the video editing and the score for a 12-minute uh, documentary, and I did all of it. So I took three days on the music, two on the video editing. So that was uh, four That's, minutes a day, yeah. and it wasn't the most complex music, right? I'm not writing high-energy battle tracks for it, but I just had to be like, oh, moving on. Is this idea not bad? Is it not horrible? Great. It's perfect then. Yeah. <laughs> on to the next. Um, in that, I got so much out of that. Now yeah. I have 12 minutes more of my portfolio music yeah. in, for three days. And uh, if I had deadlines that were backed up against each other, obviously I don't want to get myself overwhelmed. Sure. But let's say I did two of those every week. Imagine 24 minutes of music written new every week times 10 weeks. You know, it's it's crazy. That's yeah. a huge amount of volume. And as your point to volume, just doing it more, that's a huge thing. And, and the rate at which I'll get better doing it that way is significantly faster. Yeah. I, I thought of an analogy for the volume thing. I think when when you sit down to perfect one thing, it's almost like calculating how much water a tree is going to need over its lifetime and just like putting all the water right there, watering it all at once. Be like, this is all the water you need your whole <laughs> life. All set. Like, no, of course not. It's going to soak up the little amount of water that it needs right now. And the rest of it's going to drain away and it's going to leave. Yep. Well, that's, that's kind of what happens when you spend five hours dialing. In. Yeah. The first half hour you're actually learning. And then the next four and a half hours, you're just beating yourself up because you're not dialing it in. It's so much better to move on and then do another half hour tomorrow 
where you're going to gain again from it. You're going to learn then do a half hour the next day. And it's going to take you eight days to do four hours of drum compression dialing. But now you've actually gotten four hours of time where you're actually learning. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was Jordan Peterson mentioned that you know, he, he was saying his most focused state can probably sustain focus something like three hours mm. per day of sustained focus. And that's like when you think when you first hear that, that's kind of shocking. You're like, okay, hey, this guy's a super teacher. He's books. You can only do three hours a day of work. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying three hours of sustained focus. And that means that you have to be really smart about what you're expectations are for what you're doing in that day you can put three hours of deep work in for an eight-hour workday then you spend five hours doing cleanup work doing more chore type work um doing administrative stuff answering emails things that don't have the same cognitive yeah. load you are going to be so much more efficient than if you try to spend eight hours in a row focusing as best you can because mm -hmm. you're going to get the first three hours done and it'll be awesome and then the next five hours are just stuck. you're not going to get anything and like learning's the same way that's output but I think for me at least input is the same way in some sense anyway. yeah. yeah no I think that's I think that's a good point and just assessing how you get into that focus state and knowing when you're getting out of it too yeah, it's just the fact that somebody knows approximately what how long they can focus for is a huge thing. Just even to be aware of that. Yeah. Most people probably would give a totally inaccurate estimate. Yeah. You know, I focus for me is one of those things that I think is my biggest gifts. Just if I'm interested, yeah. that's the caveat, mm -hmm. right? If I'm not interested, it's a different ballgame. But if I'm interested, if I can set myself up for work in some way where I'm consistently interested and energized, I can have a huge amount of focus, deep work. But if there's other stuff in my life that's, you know, awry or, or you know, on my, on, on my mind, it's not going to be those, you know, those five hours of, of just meandering around tasks and yeah. How uh, long do you think you could sustain? Like, let's say you're working on um, like the thing you showed me earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> How long do you think you can sustain that level of focus? So I'll give you what I would say realistically, but I also do have some extreme examples from myself in the past. I'd say on average, Sometimes when I'm in the evening and I'm at a point in the piece where it's like an exciting part of the writing process, I'd say I can do four, five hours, you know, a solid like 7 p.m. to midnight, like without even realizing any time's gone by, like total like flow state almost. I think in the past I've done up to like seven hours at my peak and that's when like i learned something super new and exciting yeah. i wanted to immediately go and implement that and i did something start to finish it was like seven hours maybe i'd say reliably though i can count on a block of three hours 
each day. I'd say that's pretty accurate. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And um, for yeah. me. All right, go ahead. Yeah, no, I'd say three hours and and that's because like I enjoy what I do. I don't know. I like I said, focus is is one of my my things, and I did that Clifton Strengths Finder mm -hmm. thing, and that was one of my top things. And it's not like because I saw that I automatically like I guess that's what I'm good at. Yeah. It, but it, it did make me reflect on it and thinking about it in in comparison, like what I'm good at compared to other people and what they're good at compared to me. That's something I never realized. Like, what do you mean people can't just like look at one thing and focus for, you know, four hours straight? What What do you mean? Like, it's not something everybody does. Yeah. It, I didn't realize that that was not like just the average, um, the, the default. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've got relatively good focus, probably above average, but nowhere near that. Yeah. I think I can probably get about ninety minutes mm. straight, like on on things that I'm I'm interested in doing before I need break and then I can probably do another 90 minutes. I think total throughout the day of deep work you're probably only going to get 3 to 5 hours out of me. Um if there's really nothing else going on like I don't need to walk the dog food is taken care of and there's nothing else in my life going on that could cognitively just be a distraction. You might get days where I can do a lot more, mm -hmm. um, especially if I'm in like a new environment and you know, say I'm, I'm in a new studio space yeah. working on new stuff. Like I could probably get, you know, an eight hour day in where seven hours are focused. Sure. But at some point it's going to be diminishing returns to me where I'm, I'm just going to burn out and I'm going to be going to be fatigued. I'm going to be attention fatigued or something. Or even if I try to pay attention, but like not giving my best quality yeah. work there. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, that's, exceptions. That's interesting, yeah. Um, I feel that's brought up something that I was made me think. I feel like not only do I have the ability to focus, but it's actually a, a emotional and mental need that yeah. I have to have that amount per day. Because when I don't have, I'd say maybe four hours of focused work in a day my brain is not doing well it's yeah. very scattered it feels like something's wrong like something didn't happen that needed to happen it's like not working out or forgetting to eat dinner or something yeah. you know it's just like what is going on but when i finish and my brain is unloaded it's gotten everything out it's done that focus time that's when i can actually relax yep and it's it's interesting and and i think it just these are some of the traits that lend themselves to certain professions, right? I know some people, when I did real estate, they work great with having lots of things coming in, bombarding them, you know, with not having to have even any focus time, like literally not having any focused work time because they fo function better more in a reactive way. Mm. They're reaction or you know new things happening in the in their environment gives them excitement and energy whereas for me it gives me anxiety and you know uh, a lack of being able to focus on stuff so i think it just it's it's interesting when i went and did that because i just saw how different people are and how different people work and i don't think i could do what i do if i didn't have that focus honestly because it's so 
it's so tedious. Yeah. <laughs> it's so many hours on the same 30 seconds of music, potentially. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I, th- I think that's all I was going to say about that. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. I, I think I'm similar, although I do think I can work in the, the sort of scattered flow yeah. state. Um, I can even find some enjoyment in that. Yeah. I still find the need for the focus. Otherwise, uh, you know, somebody asked me the other day, you ever get home at the end of the day and a veg mm. and you know for context that's getting home at the end of the day from a uh, covid job yeah not my career got to do what you got to do during these times and i said no and the way i would explain it now is basically i have i have two kinds of days i have days where i expend too much energy doing something i don't like and I come home and I'm too exhausted to focus. Puts me in a bad state of mind. You know, scattered. It makes me anxious. It makes me, I'm accomplishing. The other kind of day that I have is one where I find the flow during the day. Get, I get through it. Hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. I put the cruise control on, and then I get home and I jump right into focused work on the meaningful stuff on the fixing those are great days what do you feel like the the difference is is there any difference in what you do like like is it something you did differently in those days because i think that's something that would be super helpful for somebody to be able to master who has to have a job where it's not something they like doing and they just the hours that really matter to them are those few they have after work or you know on days off yeah, I would I would say if you're working like a survival job, um, front load everything you can, front load all the effort that you can, so that you can give yourself room to cruise. What do you mean by that? That means like if you need to you need to prep what you're going to be doing or what you're going to say or the kinds of things like get everything done as early as possible. Get everything you can done. Sunday night, so that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you can cruise at work. Mm. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm deliberately not getting into specifics because I think it applies differently jobs. Uh, but do what you can to let yourself turn on the cruise control so you don't burn out doing a survival job that you not meaningful to. You. That way, you can expend that energy doing the meaningful. And that you know, hard. Get it? No, I've had survival jobs that demand a lot cognitively and emotionally, and I've felt that burnout. But yeah, I, my only advice, yeah, I would say is, and unfortunately, it's bad advice for an employee, right? Because <laughs> you know, bosses don't want employees that are on cruise control. Mm-hmm. But I think that when when you're working a survival job and your career is calling you for your own mental health, you have to do that. Or survival job. Yeah, and that brings up for me other aspects of health that I think those are the habits I actually focus on, right? Like trying to do. Because some of those uh, work habits come naturally, but the, the, the health ones are things I need to really focus on. Because like everything comes from up in here. 
And if that's not working right, if their body's not working right, it's going to be inefficient. You know, if I am not, if I'm not exercising, eating horribly, my work quality will go down. And I won't be able to handle as much. I won't be able to focus as well. And it's just overall bad. And the amount of time, I, I was thinking about this. So we have 16 hours awake during the day, usually, right? So if you can get a workout in, in 30 minutes, that's literally one thirty-second of your day. That is nothing. Like, if you can find, like, that's such an insignificant part of your day. And, and other health things can go in that, too. So let's say you meditate 15 minutes a day. That seems kind of long to think about setting up to meditate. The 64th of your day. Yeah. <laughs> is meditating worth one sixty-fourth of your time? Yeah. <laughs> to make the uh, rest of it be to to plug an app ten percent happier, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would think just yes. And the same with exercise. Do you want to live longer and feel better for one thirty second of your day? Like, sure, that's gonna it, you might suffer a little bit more directly yeah. during it, but you're gonna feel better. It, I mean, you. I don't need to explain how yeah. exercise helps. <laughs> but still, just think about it in, in, in fractions of your time, of yeah. your day. Are you, you're committing, let's say you have a, a survival job, you're committing, you know, uh, 50% of your day to something you're not, you know, you're just doing to get by. What are you doing with the other eight hours? And I, and I think that's, that's something I like that Gary V talks about. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I don't care what you do, like, I'm not one of the people that says don't sleep eight hours a night. I'm not the ones that like work all night long. That's what you got to do. But when you're awake, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you putting your energy into and how are you doing it? Mm. And I think that's, I I liked that when, when he said that it made me, I think it resonated. Uh, uh, Ties in closely with one of the upcoming exercises, which, oh, which, by the way, if you like this podcast, Check out our other podcast, The Switch, about ideas in psychology, philosophy, um, stuff like that. Yeah. So science, science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's wrap this up. Yeah. And, uh, cool. On. Sweet. All right. Well, well, excited to talk to you next time too. Not talk to you. Why am I saying talk to you? Talk I'm excited to you. To talk to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm excited to talk to them. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. But thanks for listening and. Uh, subscribe if you like this channel we've got lots of uh, different stuff from both of us different series you want to keep up to date on what we're working on so again thanks for watching we'll see you next time